Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sane, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best life every day. to share today's episode with you with uh, Krista Williams. Krista and I connected. You'll hear more about that on the show, but um, you know, I'm listening to it again, of course, and, and I am taking it all in and still kind of, I'm glad it's it's airing now. I'm glad it's airing a few weeks uh, over a month after um, the murder of George Floyd. And we've had so much tragedy since then. So obviously, as a as a black woman, I think this is always going to be a relevant episode. But as we go back to normal, whatever that is, or our normal lives, our day to day, our family, the things that when I say normal, I'm talking about our normal distractions, taking care of our families, taking care of our health, all those things that we do, you know, that we interrupted because we we were we were grieving and enraged. And I know we're still grieving and enraged. We're just at a different stage of it. So when you listen to today's show. I want you to really think about, you know, answering the call. And when I say answering the call, that means speaking up, even when it's not comfortable, even when there's fear that there will be backlash, even when you don't know exactly what to say, but using your voice to usher someone else into a conversation or into action to help progressively move us forward as a people is what I know we're all capable of as women. And you guys know this, I am a feminist. I am a woman who believes in our power. I'm a woman who believes that women can change the world. Um, In so many ways, we change them from raising children, from contributing to ideas. I saw the the coolest post the other day uh, referring to Jacinda, the prime minister of New Zealand. And someone says, we don't need, uh, Jacinda doesn't need to take over the world. We need you guys to elect more women, right? Because she has done a remarkable job. And I have been following her since the massacre um, that happened in New Zealand. What is it? Over a year and a half, almost two years ago. I follow on Instagram. Um, and I'm just here for her. So I, I know that we have those same capabilities. I know it's not always easy. I know that all those things that I talked about, taking care of your family, taking care of work, taking care of responsibilities, that plays a huge role in why we don't step up because we don't need yet another thing added to our plate. But I think it's important that we do whatever we can with the actions that we have, whether that be have our girlfriends do a virtual Zoom call, do drive-by cocktails, which are, you know, sheltering distance, six feet apart, uh, invite your neighbors down who you think could enjoy the conversation, uh, talk about these things and keep talking about them. They won't become normal until we keep talking about them. And I, that's why I'm excited, or, or I, when I say excited, I, I guess that's probably the wrong word, but I am happy and to share this episode because I want you guys to know that this can't stop. We have to keep having conversations. We have to keep having these conversations in the space that we're in. I'm not looking for you to be a voyager out here. I am I'm looking for you to nurture existing relationships and nurture the opportunity to contribute to change. So today's show is with Krista Williams, uh, who is a co-host of the Almost 30 podcast. And it's she's, she's a real cool spirit. 
I'm so glad that I reached out to her and that we were able to start a conversation. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. And I really would love it. If you haven't ever left feedback on any episode, I hope that you leave it on this one because I want to know your thoughts. Uh, I want to know what you plan to do to continue the conversation where you are. So here we go. All right, y'all, welcome back to the show. Today, we have a woman who I can definitely say she's a girl boss, right? Matter of fact, she's been featured everywhere from girl boss to BuzzFeed. She is the co-founder and co-host of one of Apple's top rated podcasts. Matter of fact, they're in the top 50. I'm going to toot that horn for her because she's probably way too humble to do it herself. Uh, But she has been. She's also the founder and creator of It's Krista. Um, she, her podcast has had over 12 million streams, you know, the accolades can go on and on, but overall, I think she is a woman about change and that's why she's on the show today. So help me welcome Miss Krista Williams to the show. Hey, Krista. Oh, Hey, I mean, when we were talking before, I'm like, I could do this forever. So I'm really excited to talk to you. I had so much fun in our live and this conversation is important and I'm just excited to be here. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if I mentioned the podcast, it's the almost 30 podcast. Um, and if you haven't checked it out, you definitely should. Um, I reached out to Krista a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, you guys right now at the time of us recording this interview, obviously our world has been, we're in the upside down. That's what I keep calling. We're in the upside down, right? If you watch stranger things, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, Mm -hmm. um, we are in the upside down and Krista, organization and and her personally, she sent out a letter specifically to the followers and the folks on the subscription list of Almost 30 Podcast. And I got, I'm on the subscription list. So I read the email and on a day when, you know, it was a day. Okay. Let's just say, and I read it and I immediately responded to Krista. A couple of things resonated with me in the email uh, as far as a black woman. And one of those main things that I saw in the email and I'm seeing still all over mm-hmm. at this particular time is B-I-P-O-C, bio, Biopoc, whatever they're calling it. And it's Black Indigenous People of Color. And I know that I use the term people of color a lot when I'm talking about races that are anybody who's not white is what I include in people of color. And they've changed the terminology to include Black Indigenous People of Color at the wrong time in history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I understand whoever changed it probably thought that they were including indigenous people when we're saying people of color, which we didn't really have to specify. If you have pigment in your skin and lots of melanin, uh, then you're a person of color. But at this particular moment in history, we're specifically talking about change for black people. And that day when I read that email, I wanted to bring that to Krista's attention, not because I wanted to read her, no, but because I feel like if we don't if we continue as black people to not educate people when they misstep, we are perpetuating ignorance. Um, and I know I'm not, I am not standing from the mount, mountaintop. I'm not Shirley Chisholm or, or, or Harriet Tubman, but this little voice can speak and she should always speak. So I reached out to Krista and she responded immediately. And I was shocked. I'm going to be honest with you because she is not the only person I emailed. That day. <laughs> psychopath, always on my goddamn phone. Help me, Help me be normal. Yes. Yeah, so Thanks. I emailed her. She responded. 
I, and in my email, I said, do you want, if you want to talk, I'm here. And she said, let's talk. We talked, we had a real conversation, not a sugar-coated one. And we've been having one ever since. So Krista, thanks for being you. My new friend. No, I just like, I'm getting chills because, um, you know, I'll be really honest. If you would have emailed me two years ago, three years ago, when I just started in the work, I'd be like, oh, like, oh my God, I thought I was doing it right. And I would have had that feeling, you know, we talked about this before of people having more fear. And now there is such a, because I've been doing the work, I have so much more, I have so much less ego about it. You know, it's like, it's so much more of a place of like, thank you. Like, thank you so much because you're so right. Like you're so beyond right. And I don't know that experience. And in my effort to be woke, like I told you about in my effort to be like, oh, I'm going to be super um, with the times and with the phrases and all that. It was like, it completely cut out what was true and what was important. And so much of what is happening in the movement and what's, what I've noticed within myself and, and the way that we show up is like how much heart it's so much heart, like within my heart and soul, like I know that this is about black people, but within my mind, I wanted it to be correct. So I'm like, okay, you know, and it's not like I was like, this is not about black people. So I'm going to put these, it was like, my heart knows, but my mind says, put these phrases in terms because that's, what's right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you just called that out. You're like, and what I love too about it. And you made my, you know, my piece or whatever I wrote so much better. Cause you were like, we are mothers, we are daughters, we are sisters, we are wives. And it is not like an acronym. And that is like, I used to get chills thinking about that too, because that's the truth. Like, this is not about acronyms. This is not about perfection. This is not about the right phrasing. This is not about the black tile. This is about like people and families and like, and like a mother with her son that is afraid to have him go out and take a run. This is about a wife with her husband who's afraid to have him leave the house. Like this is about so much more than that. So like when we distill it down to those acronyms, it just loses the whole point of it. And that was so powerful for me. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, I'm so glad you said that because I've been doing work too, right? So I've been listening to new books and reading and and diving deep and trying to really have some understanding so that I can speak on topics because I don't know everything. Just because I was born black doesn't mean I have the answers. What I have right now is a lot of pain and a lot of confusion. And I want to articulate that. What we're doing to you is like, as a black person, they're like looking at you, like you guys have all the answers all the time, which is you know not so continue. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I'm really unearthing is the dehumanization. And I feel like the acronyms, that's probably why it stung so much is because I I felt that here we go again, making us a blanket statement and not individual, making us individuals who have families, who have love, who breathe. And I've said it since I was a kid. I truly don't understand the hatred towards someone for their skin, because that's nothing we can control. There are a billion things to hate people about and how they're born is not one of them. Mm -hmm. And when I have always battled with that and that understanding. I think I've always tried to, as a black person, when we assimilate, right, to fit in, we assimilate to be seen as humans, to be seen as, oh, they're just like me. Oh, they have kids. Oh, they have worries. And I truly believe for me, at this point in my life, this whole ordeal has truly unearthed and made me realize I just, I can't anymore. I am so tired of 
going over and beyond to make people comfortable with seeing me and literally having to give all my credentials before I'm seen as an educated, strong woman. You know, I have to say I'm college educated. I have to say I was a veteran in the army before people sit up straight and listen to me. And it's exhausting. And I think that this particular era that we in, people are listening because we're at home. When you, every piece of entertainment people have right now, which is mostly social media, it's in their face, right? Yep. It's in their face. So that's the reason why it's spreading like wildfire. And I'm hearing, and, and I know black people who are listening just like myself are tired of hearing people saying, I didn't know, but I know now. And I just keep thinking reconstruction, civil rights, know. you know, <laughs> how did you, what do you mean you didn't know? Your great grandfather knew, your grandma knew, your mom knew, and we put it to bed and we swept it under the rug. Right. Mm-hmm. So I know you talked about how you've been doing the work prior to this. And, and I, and I have receipts y'all. She has been doing the work. Go back and listen to the podcast. You can, there's timestamps. Okay. <laughs> um, but why, what was it that made you do it? it? Just like, I just want to speak on really quickly. You being like to be seen human makes me fucking emotional. Like it literally brings me to tears. Cause like that feeling is like, unlike any other that anyone will ever experience of like, this is just all I have to do to be seen as human, to be like accepted and to like where that is so much. So getting a little emotional. Um, But what made us do the work? So I think it's really having a platform and feeling that responsibility of like, yo, we have tons of white women in our community. Our community is diverse. It's going to be, it's being more diverse. But like, if you look at two white women that do a white woman, a show, you're like, oh, this is for white women. So I felt like a deep responsibility in that. And too, in LA, you know, some of my closest friends are black. And so I was just like, I was noticing conversations they were having. Like as an example, one of my best friends is Milana Snow and she does work in um, diversity and wellness. That's her overall goal is democratization of the wellness space. So, you know, even having conversations with her helped me learn about that and helped open my eyes to it. And Um, once we realized that this was something that we needed to speak to because we were in a position of like privilege of being white in wellness, it was like important and a responsibility. And also like, it's embarrassing if we don't talk about the elephant in the room. So there's like also like a, a something too, where it's like, there's definitely the responsibility, but like, it's, it, it would embarrass me to not because it's like what there's like a very obvious glaring thing. There's an elephant in the room of the conversation. If I'm like, Hey everyone, like da 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 da. And I'm not addressing what is true, which is like of the privilege that I've had because I'm a white woman. It's, it just would like gross me out because you know, of, of anything, like I'm, I'm really about honesty. Like that is like my, my sole thing. So even when it hurts, I'm about honesty. So Three years ago, um, maybe three and a half years ago, we, you know, I I had more friends of color coming from uh, New York and Chicago, where my friend group was like pretty diverse, but um, more limited. So they helped me open my eyes. And then we really started to do the work when we um, met Rachel Cargill and had her on the show and then had conversations very openly about our, our white privilege in like 2017, 2016. And then from there, we've had, you know, events on diversity and inclusion. We have you know, black people on our team, et cetera, and all the things. But really it was the desire to not be, you know, a fraud and be like truthful to what was, what was true. And, you know, I, I hope we, neither one of us break down on this call. Cause we both like are getting emotional, I know. Um, but the, the, 
one of the things that Krista and I talked about in our first conversation is I literally said, I told her, I said, I have a hard time believing you don't have black friends. I have a hard time believing you don't have someone in your circle because I knew it, you know, and I thought about from the content creator and creative perspective, I felt that we have a duty to speak on subjects because there are people who are following your platform and listening to the 15 million folks and streams who are listening if you don't say something, they say it doesn't matter to Krista, so it shouldn't matter to me. Or if Amira doesn't post on Black Lives Matter and she's black, right? And if she doesn't keep talking about it and it only talked about it one square, you know, or one day, then she's okay with it. So I, it's okay to go back to normal, you know. And I felt that having you on the show and us literally openly talking about these uncomfortable things, a black woman and a white woman. Um, and both of us are from privilege in our own stations, right? Both of us are in roles that we know that we have, we're blessed, right? Um, and we have this conversation and we are calling other people to the carpet because, it, you know, we talked about in the beginning of the show, this fear word, like literally I had a call right before I got on this recording with Krista and I'm literally talking to a major corporation who I've worked with who's reaching out to me now, right? Because they know me. <laughs> they and and we literally, we're talking about this conversation and they're, and I'm talking to the woman and she's like, oh, I, w- I was uncomfortable talking to call this other person because I hadn't worked with them, but I've worked with you and I didn't know what to say. And I'm like, you know, they know why you're calling. So why don't you just say why you're calling? We know you're calling right now because you need some black faces to talk about it. And that is not wrong. It's not wrong to, it's wrong to not have the conversation. It's right to seek someone who can speak on it and you not say that you can, um, and this fear of being misperceived is going to hold us back. And that's what I worry about. This fear of friends and this judgment from family. I've had people DM me and saying they're scared to talk to their church. They're scared to talk to their husband. They're scared to talk to their dad and seeking advice from me that I can't give Mm. because I don't understand that fear because wrong is wrong. Mm. And I can tell you right now, God rest my my grandmother's soul. But from the time I was a child, I was correcting her language. You know, and she experienced some true hatred. Mm. So if if before she passed away, she could tell me, thank you. Hmm. Oh. Oh. Here we are. She could tell me, thank you. Then why can't you talk to your dad? And why can't you talk to your church about making me and my family feel like we are not human? About saying that black people kill black people. Well, white people kill white people. People kill in their tribe. That's that's something we can deal with later. But right now we're talking about seeing me as a person that if you needed a heart right now and my DNA match, you would still take it. And you know you would. So if my, my organs are good enough to be transplanted into your sons, your daughters or whomever, then you're going to have to speak up. And you're, it's your duty and we have to start now. So, huh. You guys, we have come a long way since 2016 when we built our first website. And we, that was me. I was a one-woman show. I've always spoken we because I wanted to speak it into existence. And now I can actually say we because we have an amazing team of folks all around the world who work diligently to create content, articles, experiences, podcasts that truly inspire you. We work really hard to make sure we have women on the show and on our site who are game changers and disruptors, who are out here operating in excellence and folks who you can lean into for information and guidance and people who you can support. 
people who create products from idea to reality, who create events and experiences, excursions, who coach you to your greatness. And we did it all just for you. So if you haven't checked out brunchandslay.com in a while, I want you to head on over there and subscribe so that you will know everything that's happening in our world. The fear. Yeah. From your perspective, let's talk about it. I almost tried to stop myself from crying. I was like, let her rip. Just let her rip. I've got tears all over my face. I didn't wear makeup for this for this reason. Um, the fear thing is hard for me because I'm when I am in a place where I am, a fear is not an emotion that I feel as much as others. I, usually if I'm feeling uncomfortable, I'm angry or I am, I am um, deeply sad. So I don't feel fear a lot. So it's actually really hard for me. And, and these emotions aren't good either. So it's not, I'm saying one is better than the other, but that's really my experience in my life. Through other traumas, I've, I've, I've really leaned on these two feelings. And so it's really hard for me actually to be like, to, to relate to people that are like, I'm so scared. Like, I'm so scared. It's like, shut the, f like, I honestly, personally, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like literally because it's, it just for, and this is everyone has their own right to their own opinion, whatever. But truthfully, it doesn't make sense to me. It seems fake and hollow. Again, if you're coming to DM a black person and say, I'm scared to talk to my church, like, what am I going to do? It's like, I literally am scared to walk outside. Like it, it doesn't, it, it, it seems so stupid to me. And the fear that we have of being wrong or looking bad or getting in trouble or like doing it is just, it's just fugazi. It doesn't make sense and it's not worth it. So I understand that um, so many people in my community have fear, but it just doesn't seem like, like I would be pissed off if I was a black person and people kept telling me they were scared. I'd be like, I would, that would literally enrage me. Like it enrages me even thinking about it. So that would enrage me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the, the tightrope that I want, and I don't know that I'll ever be able to convey this um, in a way that people truly understand it is that of course it enrages me. We're all, we're, I mean, I'm always enraged in some capacity. It's just buried. <laughs> right. Okay. And because the, here's what I want people to understand. If black people walked around being angry about every injustice, we wouldn't even be able to go to work. We wouldn't be able to function. So I literally had the best conversation with one of my girlfriends who works for a company that we both covet. I'll just say that for podcasting. Okay. And um, she's is saying, and she just talked about as a black person, think of us as your strong friend. You know, you see the memes and say, that says, check on your strong friend, check on your strong friend. Well, because people see us as the strong friend, because we don't talk about the pain, the turmoil, the, the tightrope that we're constantly walking, the, the mask that we have to wear. They just think, oh, you're OK. Another person got lynched. Oh, you're OK. You're fine. You always function. So what about this project? And I, your strong friends aren't doing well right now. Even though it's been weeks, your strong friends are still grieving. And your strong friends have had traumas unearthed that they had buried so deep they didn't even know they had uh, because we have time to sit and relish and fester. Your strong friends feel trapped. Your strong feel, friends feel like they aren't being heard. Your strong friends feel like that companies are just, once again, coming on board because it's on trend and for fear of backlash. Yep. And so from your perspective with your community, I know, again, you guys have definitely been going even harder with conversations and live streams. And I'd love to know some feedback mm -hmm. because 
you know, I want to know what, what the people are saying. (laughs) You know, I'm trying to think, I'll be completely honest. We've only received positive feedback because, because this is, this is true for me. And and so if I was floundering and if I was dog paddling and I was like, Oh my God, guys, we got to do this. And I was posting all these things. And I was like, guys, you know, we've got to do this. And just coming from a place of like actual fear of myself being racist then you, everyone could tell. So because we've been doing this work, we actually, we've been working with a coach for two years too. So we have done so much shadow work within this, where it's like, when this happened, I was like, so anchored in knowing what I was supposed to do. It's like, okay, like we need to provide our community with resources. We need to make them accountable. We need to continue to provide more over time and not just like a rush of two weeks of like black square, everyone do this, like do that. And everyone watch what I'm doing, you know, like, oh my God, like I'm going to DM all my friends and be like, Hey guys, you better do this. Like, no, like we've been doing this. So it's only been positive, but it's been interesting. Like, you know, within the community. So we, we mostly talk on Facebook. There's been really tense conversations like that are tense, but also powerful. And so it's been beautiful to see, but you know, as far as other women in the wellness space or, or white women in the space, it's definitely been, they've definitely had like, you know, a little waking up a little, like, you know, just taste of what they needed to see. And it's funny because I'll see other brands that are kind of getting called out and I'm like, you guys, did you guys think you were going to get away with this forever? Like, honestly, I literally think in my head, I'm like, did you guys seriously think you were going to get away with fucking only posting like skinny ass little like white girl models for the rest of your life? Like all of it. I'm like, it kind of was what was coming to you. So, you know, the feedback has been really positive. We definitely get, you know, messages, but are mostly are helpful just because, you know, we'll always come at it from that place. And I just have such an energetic, um, like, I just have such an energetic shield right now of like not dealing with that bullshit because I really worked on the shadow. It's so funny you should say that about brands because people ask me all the time about Brunch and Slay and how I was able to do great, get such great partnerships with major brands. And I'll be honest right now and I'll tell y'all the letters that I would send in my pitch would be true Gallup report statistics and census and, um, and let them know where our dollars are being spent. And I would send them the numbers and say, do you know how much money uh, women of color and people of color are spending? Yet I see none in your posters. I see none in this. And are you ready to step up? And thankfully, sometimes they would just be in front of the right person at the right time. And I know from my perspective, I've always, as a kid, I loved uh, InStyle Magazine, right? And I loved Sephora. I am a Sephora junkie, right? And before this started, Sephora had this has amazing campaign. They started last year about diversity and inclusion, about skin tones and about all this greatness, which made me so proud mm-hmm. to continue to support them because they were including and we've worked with them, thank God. Um, but I'm looking at brands who are just now doing the work and I'm wondering and I, who's going to keep doing it? I just wonder how long this is going to last. And I and I hate to be a skeptic, right? But I mean, you have every right to be goddamn skeptics. <laughs> Literally, honestly, like I think about that every day. I'm like, so it terrifies me, you know, for everyone to like go back to normal and be like, this is, and then have everyone be like, wait, what? Right, right. Kristen, and I talked about it before about the fear of wait, the folks who are waiting for it to pass over. You know, um, I don't know. I, I, I just wonder how, 
how do you think from your perspective, what are things that you feel would keep the conversation going? Like, and, and, and for me, from a creative perspective, I've literally looked at content for the entire year and found ways to pepper it in continuously. Um, as, as a, as an entrepreneur, what do you feel? Yeah, I just, I guess asking, I just want to ask you a question on that. So the way you're, you're peppering it in is like conversation specifically about this through the year. Is that what you're, you're thinking about? Well, I have a list of topics that I feel are relevant and depending on what month it is, like uh, early voting, different things of that nature, eight can't wait, things in progression that we're really focused on right now. Um, I wanted to continue to provide links, to provide content, to to provide progress updates, right? And the thing that happens, and I want to talk about this from the creative perspective, and it's vain, but it's true. Um, When things happen off the cuff, murder, right? Life-changing things. And, and it asks for social awareness. A lot of creators have created content months in advance or whatever the case, and they have planned and obligations and they don't know how to disrupt it. So I felt like being proactive and already having things scheduled and already having stuff makes me keep the conversation going without, and it may be on brand, right? So I'm able to brand it in my particular aesthetic and it still makes sense and the voice and the caption still are true to what we represent yeah. and w- when everything happened and we and and I won't say force but I I felt like I had to say something continuously I didn't have time to make it look pretty I was just like repost repost get it out there uh, I wanted I wanted to dig deeper I wanted to have more answers I wanted to not just give you a link I wanted to actually if I'm telling you to read a book let's talk about it let's schedule a virtual call where we talk about it I wanted some actionable items and and I felt like that was the responsible thing to do right and from my perspective and I'm just wondering you know, what you guys are doing in that realm and how we can engage and hope and include others to do it. I'm actually, you know, trying to partner with different folks that I know to encourage this, right? Yeah, that's genius. And and I would love to talk, you know, after to what we can do. Um, But I just want to make a point clear, like, so when you were talking to, you know, as a creative, you're like, it has to be on brand, but like you did change everything when the George Floyd murder happened and everything happened and you planning for the future is actually really smart because this is the thing is like so many white people now are waking up and now they're feeling, and I've seen it with so many of my friends and the shame and the guilt and with shame and guilt, most people want to run. They want to numb, they want to forget about it. So they are, there are a people that are waiting for the wave to pass. And so within that, it is really important that you are providing information over the next couple months, that you are continuing to have the conversation, continuing to educate, continuing to like make it sustainable because this kind of change needs to be sustainable and not just um, really quickly. So for us, we're working uh, with the coach right now and we're working to do a workshop with our community. So we want to have, you know, this amazing black woman um, do like a two and a half hour workshop on this. It's like waking up to your white privilege um, and start to go through that. And then we're also aligned with uh, a friend has um, this amazing group. It's called um, Anti-Racism Practice Group. And she provides resources and insights every single day. She's a a black woman and she provides like an amazing piece of information that she found and discovered and sort of how it applies to her and makes it really, I know that, I know that's not the point for this to be like palatable. That's, that's not the point at all, but, but having just every single day, new information that you can take from the perspective of a black woman is really powerful. Um, And then we also will continue to have conversations like this on the pod. We just had uh, another educator, Trudy LeBron 
on recently. And then we're probably going to have Rachel on again and, and some more people. So for us, it's really business as usual, but more of like co connecting the conversation to be more powerful about this movement. Because um, when everything happened, I'm sure like you, we had to pivot everything we were doing. It was like we had a month of things planned and we're like, oh, cool. This is like absolutely out the window. And we have to do every single thing to support this movement and be thoughtful about this movement and, and not be tone deaf and everything. So I would say that that's like a privilege of what we do is, you know, especially for you too, as like an entrepreneur is being able to move quickly. That's such a privilege. I feel like proud of that. But then there is the other part too, where um, it's just, you know, we had to do that with COVID and we have to do that with this and we will continue to have to do that. So um, it's just a lot more work, but yeah, it's really just continuing to have the conversation, continuing to provide the resources. And for us, it's more of a grounded place rather than just like, Hey everyone, here's a hundred fucking links. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is the whole thing is like, I know people and they don't want, they don't need information. People have enough fucking information. Like look at your phone for one hour. You will, your head will explode. They want accountability. So for us, it's more like an accountability standpoint. And I love that. We talked about that. Yeah. So I, I, I love it. And I think that we have to meet people where they are and keep ushering them. And the fact that I, I love the fact that a white community is calling their white community to the carpet. Yeah. And and we are saying, OK, y'all blinders off mm -hmm. and, and seeking seeking folks who are living it. Right. And, and, and I think this is an ongoing thing. I'm so proud of our generation and Generation Z. I'm so proud of Generation Z. Obsessed with generation. Um, I, I joke around and I say, you know, for the longest I was anti everybody gets a ribbon, you know, because they are the generation that everybody got a trophy. But look at what that made. Yes, 100%. They won't allow it. And I mean, you as a veteran, I'm sure the ribbon shit, you're like, fuck that. Yeah, because they didn't care then. They still don't care now. The only time that certain crowds say, would say, even acknowledge me as a person is when I had on my uniform. And all they would say is, thank you for your service. And I knew who I was talking to. Okay, let's just, I, I am born and bred from Texas, y'all. So let's just be real. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, 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 it's something, right? And then for me, from my perspective, Growing up in the sub suburban America, uh, always being my whole life, for the most part, I've always known what it's like to be one of the only people in the room. Mm. And you just get used to it. You adapt. You assimilate. I, I know what it's like to have to straighten your hair to get a job. I've literally had my resume out there and have a mirror on one and Amy on the other and got a call back from the same company as Amy, not a mirror. I'm telling you all the truth. I mean, that does not surprise me, but that's it's true. true. I think that's been proven. Right. That's been proven. Yeah. Same company. And it was a major fortune 500 company that's in everybody's me medicine campus. And I got the job as Amy. I uh, did not take it. Johnson. So yes. Huh? What'd you say? Johnson and Johnson. No, but. Keep guessing. <laughs> you're, I mean, Johnson and Johnson's owned by somebody. You're right. So, I mean, not, you know what I mean? So. It, it was real. So, um, you know, I want to say that change is not easy. Mm -hmm. These conversations aren't either. There will be people who you know who won't be happy with you probably or, or side-eye you for this, right? But we don't care. We're here to say, keep your side-eye, Sally. We don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> we're going to keep moving forward. Right. And, and, and so I, I definitely want to talk about what you guys created, we've talked about Almost 30 a little bit, but we haven't talked about It's Krista and where you're going and what's next and the evolution. Mm. 
Oh yeah. Thanks. So it's Krista. It was a blog I started years ago. Um, and it's just really my thoughts and emotions that I wanted to express. And now it's more like actionable things. So I have journal prompts, um, and the journal prompts will be things like, how have I benefited from systematic racism or how many black friends do I have? And it's amazing because journal prompts are, are so egoless. It's like, there's no ego in asking the question. You know, if I'm, if I'm prompting you guys with journals, that are like, how do I feel in my body today? Or whatever the topic is. It's not me saying I'm an expert. It's just like, let's explore in this together. So um, I have, you know, my Instagram and stuff like that. But really, it's just another outlet for me to create and for me to to exist and, and really express myself. Because I felt like with blogging, I didn't really like the photos. I didn't like being in photos all the time. I didn't like buying shit all the time. So I wanted it to be more like heartfelt. You know what I mean? I love that. No, I I totally know what you mean. That's why I started a podcast. I did not want to blog. Same. I was like, what it, was, yeah. like, what have I been doing? Right. It's like, I felt fake. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was just jumping on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But talking, Hey, I can do that. All day. <laughs> the blogging, it was like, I just remember, dude, I was like, Oh my gosh, I bought the marble flat lay and I'd fucking lay shit down on the flat lay and take a picture of it. And I would be like, it would make me sick. I'd be like, eh, I fucking, this isn't me. And even too, if I'll get brand deals, it's so bad because I really love to do it, but it's like, I'll be like, I want more brand deals. And then I'll get them. And I'm like, Oh my God, I have to hold this bottle and take a picture. I'm like, Oh, trust me. I feel your pain. I literally battled that. This whole last year, I didn't accept one because I was like, I don't feel like it's real. I felt like, I was just pushing something. But but it's funny because it's like, I really love this product. But for me to go, right. I love this product, is, right. it, it hurts my heart. So it's a weird space, but podca- isn't podcasting is the best? Oh, for me, it, it's, it's everything, everything, you know? So as you, you know, you've, you're on the show, so we have to ask, you know, this Saturday, you can brunch with anyone in the world, dead or alive. Who would you be brunching with? Oh, I love this question. Um... It's funny. I thought of them the other day, but I forgot of it. It was like either Nikola Tesla, who I love, or, um, you know, who I'm obsessed with is um, Donald Glover. I just really music, (laughs) art, love. Like one of my favorites, him or Russell Brand. I need to get a woman in there. So that's kind of a problem, but I, I I'll come. I'll come. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, man. So as you, huh? What's yours right now? Oh, okay. Let's see. Right now I'm listening to uh, a book uh, of essays and stories from Carter G. Woodson. Wow. It's called The Miseducation of the Negro. Wow. Um, I would, it's from the 1930s. He's long gone. I would love to speak to him and see and hear his thoughts on where we are today. Having him there, and I would love to, honestly, my my great-great-grandmother, who truly was a slave, I want to talk to her. Um, and I want to talk to my aunt, um, I'm, I'm sorry, my other grandmother. So all the people who lived before civil rights in my family, like, I would love to have a big old brunch with them. I want them to see how far we've come. And I say that because I had a chat with my my aunt who turned 85 a couple of weeks ago Mm. and um, she's lived through segregation, the civil rights movement and a lot of things that gave me a lot of true perspective because I was very much enraged when I talked to her and Mm. she was so Zen and I couldn't understand it. And I said, "Um, you know, what's going on? She was like, well, 
you know, I think that we got, we're going to get some laws passed this time. And I said, how could you think that they're, you know, she's like, it's going to be illegal. I said, well, murder is kind of already they're illegal. Like, like I'm being a total, pissed. right. I'm <laughs> total smart ass. Like, Unless you're pissed. I don't want to talk. <laughs> I was so pissed off at her. I was so smart right? You're like, and, I mean laws. Yeah. And so she's like, honey, you know, and then she just broke it down and she was like, you know, before we could sit at restaurants, because, you know, that was illegal. Right. Like she just started like reading me in such a good professional way. That, that is her nature. And she's like, you know, when Lyndon B. Johnson became president, he was on a mission. He had a small window and he knew he had to make those laws federal. And him making those laws federal meant that they had to be, you know, uh, enforced. And that was a change. So. I thought about it and I thought, literally, this is my same aunt who I've talked about on the show a billion times, who literally still has the letter from Baylor University that told her she cannot attend, even though her grades were phenomenal in 1950, uh, wow. because she was colored um, and still went on to graduate from UT, still went on to have the, the bomb business in Rock Houston, Texas and own that city. But had she stopped then, this is the same woman who didn't stop then. So why would I stop now? And it literally gave me my life. And that's where my hope started to come in. Um, so having them at the table to be able to hear what they want me to work on now and how they want me to see it and how they kept going and how they still smiled. I need that right now. And I think that would be awesome. Oh my God. That was like, so that was so powerful. And can you start, remind me the book again. I want to. Oh, the miseducation of the Negro and it's, of, of the Negro and it's about Carter G. Woodson. Okay. And it's about I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be tough to swallow for white people. It's not. And what, what it is, is now mind you, it's from 1930. So some of the things are antiquated, but I kind of like the, that are really old though. I'm like, how the fuck is this still apply? Like, right. Which in this case is fucked up. But like when I read older texts that are like spiritual, I'm like, how is this? Yeah, I think it's one everybody should listen to a read because we talk. He talks a lot about the brainwashing on both sides. So listening wow. to his book lately got me to understand how embedded it was for white women to believe that black people were to be feared. Once I heard it from that old of a text. I started to look because I couldn't understand the fear. Like we talked about earlier and I thought, oh, it's just as yeah. embedded as us to assimilate. Yeah. We were taught if we didn't assimilate, we would die. And you you were taught that we would kill you if we were in your presence. Let's talk about it, right? Oh. This is some real deep rooted, it's systematic on both sides. That's this is so powerful. This is stuff we have to in, unlearn in our DNA. Yeah. And so reading that book has evoked a lot of, things in me that make me look at things different from different perspective and want some different things. And so I challenge people. I definitely think people should read it. Absolutely. It's a, it's a quick read. It's not long at all. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget when I, um, like who taught you to hate yourself, you know, Malcolm X, like that, mm -hmm. it was like fucking <laughs> rocked my world. And I wasn't even the black woman. And I was like, there's, I literally was like, as a white woman, I was like not telling anyone, but I'm like, there's nothing more true than like mm -hmm. programming that is, it's just so powerful. So yeah, I need to Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, literally it's so funny because I am, for those listening who've never heard Amira saying, uh, I am a melanin rich woman. Like I'm chocolate. Okay. So, um, I've never had an issue with that. Like I've always literally, thank God, my, my family, I'm the chocolate doll. Like that's, that's, that's what I grew up hearing. So when I look at people and they say that, I'm always kind of taken off guard. Like, oh, you think I'm chocolate? Because when I look in the mirror, I just see fabulous. Like, 
I don't, it doesn't, you know, I, it's funny to me, but I, I get it. I get that people see it and perceive it, but it's never hindered me in, in that perspective of it because love, you know, I've always loved the skin. And thankfully, and not in a creepy way, when I was a kid, when you go through those awkward phases, you know, your teeth are all big and your knees are big and all that. So I had a girlfriend, my best friend as a kid, her dad, Mr. King, he, I think he saw that I was going through the awkward phase and he would see me every time and just say, you're a beautiful girl. One day guys are going to line up. You have great legs. He would just build me up and not in a creepy way. I want to be clear. He says, like, like, uh, what? Where's this going? <laughs> he, he has passed on, but oh. my community, like, he saw me and he would tell me because I hung around kids that were in different phases, I'll say that. And I was the darkest of the group. And sometimes that's an issue for a lot of little girls. And he knew that because he was a melanin rich man. And he just poured into me, and I will forever be thankful. Uh, for having angels like that in my life. Rest in peace, Mr. King. Um, thank you, you know. That's but in life to be someone like that, that literally, because I can remember a woman, I have a mole on my face. So when I was little, it was like the biggest deal. It was like, oh my God, she's a freak. And this, I covered it up with makeup. And this woman was like, you know, people pay for those, right? It's really beautiful. That's all I needed. The rest of my life, I'm like, oh, well, I love this. Yeah. You know, you just need like that one cheerleader that's going to, just get your mind right. And I just, my goal is to be one of those people to kids. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Look at Cindy Crawford, right? So. <laughs> hey, same, same so, person. Wait a minute. I thought you might want to know about what's happening next week. What, what is going on with you, my son, my daughter? What, what are you dealing with? Um, you know, if you're a caregiver, what is your, your child dealing with? And, um, and so, you know, I, I check in with my boys and say, oh, how do you feel about these masks? You know, because we can't just assume they're OK with it. And, you know, one of my sons said, you know, the mask looks scary. And, you know, I can see why, because at a young age, they're learning to read social cues through facial expression. This is when they learn it. This is, means this is a happy face. This is an angry face. Well, when I look at the window. I can't tell if that person is happy or not. So I don't feel safe. And so I think we can reframe these conversations to say, remember, you know, that same person that's wearing a mask is the same person underneath the mask. So, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful you're on the show and I got to know where can people follow you? How can they support you? Um, so almost 30, almost 30 podcast on Instagram, almost 30 on all channels. Um, and then I'm at it's Krista on Instagram and you can see our live together on the almost 30 feed, which makes me so happy. Um, yeah. And that's pretty much where we're at. Would love to connect with anyone. If you guys have any tips, advice, whatever I'm, I'm here and I'm always willing. And, um, I would love if you could send me this Amir. I want to do something with this audio too. It's been so much fun, like being with you and, just literally my door is open whenever you need anything. I've, I've, I've really loved hanging out with you. I really like could do it all day. Yeah. So now as you go on your journey and continue to rise higher and raise everybody's vibrations, what vibes and prayers can we send your way to help you along? Oh, um, I think I'm good. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> the white woman's not going to ask for more vibes and prayers. <laughs> y'all, can, y'all can keep it. Just kind of. all right truly i'm I'm grateful and i have gratitude and i'm i do my i do my prayers me and god have my own thing but everyone needs to you know i'm good (laughs) all right so if you enjoyed today's show as much as i enjoyed sharing and starting this conversation make sure you share this with someone 
And if you haven't done so already, rate, review, and subscribe because we have got to keep getting the world out. And, and I want you to remember no matter what, and if you don't know it, you should know right now that if she can, I can, we all can. This is Brunchy's Life.